Hello, Internet. This is Ewan Spence and yes, the Insight Calling. Hello. Coming up in the podcast, the Irish budgets, the UK semi-finals, and we remember our legends. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. As always, welcome to the Insight News Podcast from myself, Ewan Spence, and the team here at ESC Insight. You can find us online, www.escinsight.com, for more discussions, commentary, and analysis of the song contest. And you can support this podcast, the articles, and the whole shebang through Patreon, patreon.com slash Insight as well. Right then, as always, remember the date, semi-finals the 7th and 9th of May, grand final on the 11th of May. It's in Malmo Arena, which is just across the bridge, so it's easier to fly to Copenhagen. All of that. Uh, if you're going to buy stuff now, make sure it's cancelable. It's a long way away, away, and so on, and so on, and so on. So, the last two weeks. Well, Toto Kotogno, Italy's representative at the Eurovision Song Contest in 1990 and co-host of the legendary 1991 contest, passed away this week at the age of 80. A titan of the Italian music scene, winning San Remo 1980 and racking up six second places. In our community, he's probably best known for winning Eurovision 1990 with Insemia, Unite Europe, Outside of Eurovision in Italy, he was perhaps best known for his song in 1983, L'Italiano, with the achingly perfect lyric of Let Me Sing, I'm an Italian. Over the last few years, Toro has seen a resurgence in the community, mainly, I think, due to the repeat of the Eurovision Song Contest 1991 during the pandemic lockdown through the Eurovision Again initiative. With REI allowing the legendary contest to be rebroadcast in full, Toto's majestic descent into chaos delighted fans new and old in a time where delight was hard to come by. Toto had united Europe once more through Eurovision. We miss him already and we'll always have his allures. We also remember the life of the United Kingdom's first Eurovision singer, Patricia Bredin, who's died aged 88. Picked out to participate in the UK's first national final by the BBC and subsequently winning her place at the Song Contest from 1957, Bredin will always be the United Kingdom's first Eurovision singer, leading the way with her song, All. It finished seventh, and after that, Patricia moved into acting on both stage and screen, film roles in The Treasures of Monte Cristo, Left, Right and Centre, uh, replacing Julie Andrews on Broadway in the production of Camelot, was a wide and varied CV. In later life, she retired to Canada, where she lived out her days. To the family and friends of both Patricia and Toto, our condolences from myself and the team here at ESC Insight. They are part of our history books. They will never be forgotten. Right then, so let's just have a look forward to the two contests that are on the horizon. Of course, we've got Junior Eurovision happening at the end of the year and the Adult Eurovision happening after that in May. So let's go to Junior Eurovision first. We're still confirmed at 15 entries uh, on the list there. Go on then. Albania, Armenia, France, Georgia, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Malta, Netherlands, North Macedonia, Poland, Portugal, Spain, Ukraine and the United Kingdom. Kingdom. We have a little bit of news about the uh, selection processes going on. We'll start with Ireland. Hosts Louise and Dara return for Tejiar's Junior Eurovision Artist Selection Show in Ireland. 
like last time, there will be four heats and then a semi-final. That will be jury considerations and then a public vote will come in for the grand final. Note that this is just for the artist. So similar reports to what Malta has taken. The song will be commissioned after the artist is known and the selection will be finalised at that point. Uh, we mentioned uh, Malta there, so we might as well just go that. Following Yulan Law's victory at Malta Jesk, songs for considerations as the actual Junior Eurovision entry are being accepted by broadcaster PBS, either in English or Maltese. You've got a deadline for registering in test of August the 31st, so if Malta catches your fancy, that's what you're looking for there. In Germany, we have had confirmation that broadcaster Kika will be organising a national selection, um, although it is going to be limited to online. Germany skipped last year but are returning to the contest this year. Song presentations and votings from the selected artists will happen on September the 5th. Lines will close September the 17th and then public vote with a jury vote 50-50 split and the winner will be announced the day after on the 17th. Right then, Malmo 2024 up next. The current is still 26 countries. Do you really want the melodic going through from them? Oh, yeah, go on then. Australia, Azerbaijan, Austria, Cyprus, Denmark and Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Iceland, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Lithuania and Luxembourg, Malta, Moldova, the Netherlands, Norway and Portugal, San Marino and Serbia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland and Ukraine. So, uh, what do we got? We've got news from a couple of countries here. Let's just go down the list here again. Start with Cyprus. Uh, the shenanigans of fame story have kept us engaged over the summer off-season. Would this be used for the national selection? Would it not? Would Greece, Greece be upset that Cyprus was using a Greece programme? Yes, they were. Um, so, look, it's all panned out now. Cypriot broadcaster CyBC has confirmed that 2024's song is expected to be an internal selection. So that keeps everything just a little bit calmer. Uh, Finland, the short window for submissions to Finland's UMK selection have opened this week and closed this week. Uh, you had enough head up, heads up warning for this, so if you missed it, you missed it. Anyway, uh, we did know the rules of this one before. Just as a reminder, lead singers uh, in bands and solo artists required Finnish citizenships or permanent residency. You could submit up to three songs, but only one could go forward from the process. So if you're a band, you could you can send in an EP, but only one would be allowed. Um, all the entries now will go into a shortlisting process, uh, go through various juries. That will give us a final list, which will be announced probably in January and a one-shot national final in early 2024. Uh, submissions for Switzerland. Again, also a short window that has opened and closed between podcasts here. Uh, again, um, there will be an internal selection process to go from the long list to the short list, but then it will go from the short list down to a single, single name internally as well. So it is a national final process and there is the public involved in here. The final stage is going to be a joint panel of Swiss audience members, international audience members, and a jury made up of former Eurovision jurors but none of that is going to be on television. So it's an internal final, I suppose, on that one. Yeah, let's go with that one. Um, also in the submission window is Sweden. Uh, you can represent Sweden on home soil at Eurovision in 2024 by submitting your song to Melody Festival and hopefully being one of the ones selected and then going on to win. Melfest's format this year is, of course, five heats and then a grand final show. The second chance is kind of looped into last show, uh, but only six songs per show. That does mean, though, we go from 28 to 30 songs. Now, 
that doesn't mean that 30 songs are going to come from this submission. In the past, half have come from open submissions and half have been from SVT's internal processes and invitations. So my best guess is you're going to, is they're going to do the same again here. So uh, if you want to be one of the 15 songs, you have until September the 15th to get the tunes in. Uh, what else do we have? Ireland, uh, the annual submission of a Freedom of Information Act to broadcaster RTE has happened. It's been filed. It's been replied to uh, with the how much did you spend on Eurovision question. And the answer to come back is pretty much the same as every other year. The 2023 final figure, 340,000 euros. 2022 was 315,000 euros. 2021 was 330,000 euros. And 2019 was 336,000 euros. Even when you take into consideration things like the exchange rate and differing entry numbers which changes the participation fee that's pretty consistent and for all of you wondering if that's too much or too little just remember that that's still cheaper than 10 hours of prime time tv programming from the budget eurovision certainly in the western broadcasters remains a really really good deal as long as you're not hosting it that comes another one. Uh, Shake-ups in Malta, actually. Uh, the um, Malta Eurovision Song Contest, their national selection. Uh, well, there's some changes here. Let's just take a few bullet points on this one. First of all, there's no live perform performances in the final. What we're getting is live to tape. So the artists will get five goals over 60 minutes to record a live performance onto videotape, and that will be used for the national final process. There'll be a music video there as well. So nothing is as live, but everything will be as if it was live, but you got multiple goals and get to send the best one forward. If you remember how the um, spare, the sort of back, um, backup tapes of backup song to tape during the COVID years was done at Eurovision, it's the same process as that. Malta also thinks that there's going to be a longer semi-final period. Rather than just a single show that happened a Thursday before the grand final, we could be seeing semi-finals and selections from as early as October. And these will be used to select the 12 songs for the grand final. So we remain to see how, how that's going to go down. That could be fun and keep us going um, over the fourth quarter. Jury televote public uh, voting will be in here as well, although Malta has not always stuck to 50-50. They have implied different percentages at different times um, down the year, so it's worth watching when we see what the actual percentage split will be. We don't have that yet. Um, in all of that, uh, submissions open this Monday, the 28th of August, if you want to pop a song in there. You've got a month to get them in. The window will close on September the 30th. And finally, news from the television festival up here in Edinburgh on the United Kingdom and the BBC at the Song Contest. First of all, BBC looks set to continue broadcasting the semi-finals on the main channel of BBC One. Previously, they were put down on the specialist and less substantial channels of BBC Three and BBC Four. With the hosting in Liverpool, this was the first time the semi-finals showed up on BBC One, and it looks like one more year is on the cards. See what the viewing figures do post-Liverpool. As for the artist selection... Well, TP, as we talked about previously in the podcast, has stepped back from the scouting role um, and the sort of discussions and helping find an artist. But the discussions are going on now, and clearly you'll be able to hear there's a little bit of wiggle room in here. But the suggestion from the TV festival is that the BBC Eurovision team will be bringing in another specialist agency to find a superstar singer for the United Kingdom, rightly deciding certainly in my opinion, that it's too early in the UK's rehabilitation to the Eurovision Song Contest to risk a national final. Hi. 
Okay, what are we got around inside and around the rest of the internet that's worth picking up on a handful this week? First of all, Keith Andrews' article on why Liverpool was a success for the BBC in terms of hosting, in terms of the stories it could tell and how it presented itself. And also, how much of that presentation was about Europe and togetherness and not just isn't the UK wonderful, um, which, you know, we're hosting on behalf of Ukraine, so you can't really do that in the story. But why did that facet allow the hosting to be on a different level? Keith's investigated that back at our website, www.escinsight.com. You'll also find previous articles from August about why, as I mentioned earlier, why it might not be a good time for the UK to risk holding a national final. And also, Jamie Halliwell's look at politics, voting and othering at the song contest as well. And one date for your diary, well, technically three dates for your diary, I suppose, uh, as we get the details on the pre-party ES, uh, the Spanish preview party for Eurovision 2024. The venues are already booked, the artists are still to be chosen. Um, but to give you an idea, last year, 27 acts and five guests made it out to Madrid for this spectacular multi-day show. Uh, who we're going to have this year, we will find out over the next few months. But we do have dates. March the 28th will be the Euro Club ES Dress Party. March the 29th will be the opening night. And the show itself, Pre-Board ES, will be on Saturday, March the 8th. 30th. Tickets go on sale next Friday, September the 1st. And yay, September the 1st is here. <laughs> yes, it's the date where everybody goes, that's it, the summer is over, the The season has started. It's a, it's a line in the sand. It's a very thin line in the sand. It's an important one. Basically, any song released before September the 1st uh, is not allowed to enter the Eurovision Song Contest. There are extenuating circumstances. Like if it's on YouTube and five people have seen it, you're probably okay. But if it's, oh, I don't know, Rocket Man, then you don't get that. Okay, so September the 1st is kind of release your song on or after that date and you should be okay. It is totemic, it is massive, but at the same time, it's just a little line in the sand. Is it enough to get excited about? We're going to explore that over the next week or two on the website. So, yes, we're joining in with, hey, it's September the 1st, but we're also just going to talk a little bit about it as well. I'm Ian Spence, www.escinsight.com. It's home of the podcast, myself, the team, the writings, the discussions, the commentary, all of that is out there. The Eurovision community is wide and it is loved. To all our friends out there, as always, do stay safe wherever you are. To all our friends we haven't met yet, you be safe as well. Be kind to each other. I'll say ta Cue the guitars. Catch you in the next podcast. ta for now. This ESC Insight News podcast was hosted by Ewan Spence, written by Ewan and the team at ESC Insight. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and support us patreon.com slash ESC Insight.